0: Luke 15:11- 24 says, "Jesus continued, "There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, "Father, please give me my share of the estate." So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had, after he had spent everything. There was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need so he went and hired himself out to the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs no longer to uh, sorry he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating but no one gave him anything when he came to his senses he said how many of my father's hired men have food to spare and here i am starving to death I will set out back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you.
1: It's good to see everyone here today and to be graced by the presence of our teens right in front of us in the middle for this weekend's uh, youth rally. Um, Good morning again and a warm welcome. Uh, This morning, our lesson is going to be very special. Why? Because we are going to conclude today two lesson series at once. Um, Beginning with the first uh, series that we have which is our current sermon series on overcoming the burden of sin. Uh, Two weeks ago, we started this. We introduced uh, this series with Lesson 1. And in this particular lesson, we we were reminded of the devil's schemes. We were reminded of the fact that the devil uh, deceives us, distracts us, and uh, discourages us. But we were reminded as well on that day that with God, we have the power to... Uh, We have have the power to uh, crush and uh, overcome Satan, the devil, and his schemes. Uh, God has given us each other so that we can encourage one another daily. uh, So that we do not get hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. God also has given us his word so we can anchor ourselves in it. So that we do not go astray. So that we do not get distracted or drift away. And finally, God has given us many beautiful promises that we can hold on to every day for encouragement. Last week, we looked at Lesson 2. And in Lesson 2, we undertook the big task of deconstructing sin. And when we deconstructed sin, we laid sin in front of us bare. And we saw its various elements, beginning with temptation that leads to sin, which ultimately results in death, when sin becomes full-grown. And we said that when we look at sin like that, we have power over it. We can pick it out. And we can have um, power over temptation and avoid it by just changing our desires, changing our hearts. And we also have power over sin that we can avoid it just by applying self-control by the grace of God. And when we do that, we also limit our opportunities to be tempted and to sin. Now this morning we're going to do the last lesson in our series, lesson three, and in this particular lesson we are going to conclude this series of overcome, as well as this weekend's theme uh, of our youth rally, which is called identity. And Emmanuel will talk to us a little bit about that. What we have been looking at this weekend. This weekend we have been learning a lot about who we are in Jesus, that we are more than conquerors in God through Jesus that we are God's masterpiece. And this morning we're going to tie these two lesson series together into one as we look into God's solution to our problems, forgiveness. Two weeks ago when we introduced the Overcome series, we said that all of us are broken you know, in one way or another we have failures. We hurt. We have our own hang-ups. We have, we, we have our own things that defeat us every day. And we said as well that in our own ways, we try to get rid of all these problems, our own hurts. We, we try to solve them. And then we said as well that we come up short all the time. Why? Because we do not tackle the real problem. We do not solve the root cause of our problem. Our number one problem itself, which is sin. So, we come up with solutions that only touch on the symptoms of that problem. So, they keep coming back. They keep resurfacing. So, see, the solution is not so much so and not just, you know... A bigger house to our problem. More money. A better car. More help from other people. It's not necessarily more or better. Right? Things. Because our number one sin today, the number one problem today is sin. And the solution is forgiveness. And it only comes from God. Now you're probably thinking, well, I know that. Like most of us know about God's forgiveness. If not all of us, most of us. But our objective today is to go above and beyond just knowing about God's forgiveness. Today, what I would like to do is for all of us to truly appreciate God's forgiveness. Because when we truly appreciate God's forgiveness, this is the time. This is when we actually make the switch. This is actually the time when our minds look at the world differently. When we approach our problems, our afflictions, our, um, our failures, or our difficulties in a different way. Better way. And this is when we really understand that part of our identity in, in Jesus is the fact that we are forgiven. And when we think that, when we appreciate that deep in our hearts, then we will really have a healthier view of ourselves and of our worth in God. But the first thing that we need to do before we even appreciate God's forgiveness is to understand that our number one problem is sin. And the next thing that we need to ask ourselves is, why? Why is sin our number one problem? Well, the re- one of the reasons is because sin is ugly. It is ugly. Sin's very nature alone, by definition, it is awful. Uh, in First John verse, uh, chapter three verse four, we read, "Everyone who sins breaks the law." In fact, sin is lawlessness. Lawlessness is not good. It is ugly. And in the Bible, uh, the authors of the the books of the Bible called um, sin various different ugly things. For example, Isaiah in chapter 1 verse 6 referred to sin as infected wounds from head to foot. Have you guys seen an infection before? It is ugly. But could you imagine from head to foot infection? That is nasty. Right? You know, you guys are like going, yuck, right? Uh, Isaiah, again, in chapter 1, verse 18, referred to sin as scarlet stain. In Matthew, chapter 6, verses 12 to 15, it is referred to as a binding debt that we have to pay. It's not going to go away. It's always going to be there. And finally, in 1 John 1, verse 6, sin is called darkness. Sin brothers and sisters is ugly it is complicated by the fact that we have a god in heaven who is holy which is the second reason why sin is our number one problem whether you believe in god or not today we have a god who is holy in isaiah chapter 6 verse 3 we re- read that we read this holy 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 is the lord almighty The whole earth is full of His glory. God is so holy that in Psalm chapter 5, verse 4, we read, For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell in you. What is this verse saying? How much sin can God live with? Zero. Sin is not part of God's identity. So, all of us have sinned. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, we read that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us are in trouble. All of us have sinned. And because of that, the third reason why sin is our number one problem is that it separates us from the holy God in heaven. It separates us. In Isaiah 59, verse 2, We read, but your iniquities, sins, have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he may not hear. There's that wall between us and God. He can't do anything. That wall has to come down. Otherwise, there is not a relationship there. Remember when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden? I'm going to show you a verse, next one here, that really shows the separation between us and God and sin. Because of sin. Genesis 3, verse 9, when the sin has been committed by Adam and Eve, this is what the Lord told Adam. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? God is omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's always... He's everywhere. He sees everything. But because of sin, it has blocked him from his creation. Where are you? That is what happens when we have sin in our lives. When we do not have Jesus in our lives. Let us not make light of that. In... Ephesians chapter 2, Paul tells us the effect of this separation from God. He says that we are dead in our transgressions and sins. We are separate from Christ. We are excluded from citizenship in Israel. We are foreigners to the covenants of the promise. We are without hope and without God in the world. Could you imagine living without hope? You know you're like good now, but then you know that at the end of the day, you're just going to die anyway and not, be, not, not amount to anything. That is without hope. And because of that, our number one sin, number one problem is sin, and it condemns us. We are condemned. We are condemned. Look at this. This picture, the reason why I decided to put that is because of that picture right there. you see that? Being condemned is that like, like that zombie. We're walking dead when we have sin in our lives. I'm not going to do a zombie walk here. you should probably freak you out. Okay, I'm not going to do that. You're probably waiting for me to do that. But I'm not going to do it. See, <laughs> We are walking dead. We could look so good outside. We could even be here, attend, you know, worship services. Be with the church. Look good and smile. Wear nice clothes. But deep inside, we are rotting away. We are full of sores from head to foot. We are... Sorry, what happened there? We are the walking dead right there. So what do we do? We can't do anything about it. Because Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. The payment for our commission of sin is death. And remember we said that all of us have done it. Not one perfect. But we can't do anything about it. We are stuck. But the good news today is that God offers the one and only solution for sin. Forgiveness. See, I told you earlier that our task today, our objective today, is not only to know that it exists, the forgiveness that comes from God. It's for us to appreciate it. To appreciate it. To really have it sink in our minds and in our hearts. Because we all know it since we were kids, if we went to Sunday school. But today, we will appreciate it. And the best way I know how. To tell people about God's forgiveness so that they appreciate it is through the parable of the prodigal son. That was the reading that we had today by Miles, the scripture reading. And it begins with Luke chapter 15, verse 11. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. So picture a father and his two sons. The younger son comes up to the father and says, Dad, I want my inheritance now. Inheritance is a good thing, right? But when do we normally get our inheritance? When our, yeah, <laughs> yeah you're like, when, when, the, when parents die, right? When our parents die, that is when we get our Inheritance. So, when we read this, we say, oh yeah, it's pretty cool, you know, it's okay that he's doing that. But it's not cool. It's not okay. Imagine if you're a parent today, your your child comes up to you and says, Dad, Mom, I want my inheritance now. Because this young son is essentially telling his father, Dad, you are pretty much dead to me. Give me my inheritance now because I'm out of here. Could you imagine what that would do to a parent? Can you imagine what that did to that father but the father said okay whatever you wish son so he divided the property between his two boys now the story continues on not long after that the younger son got together all he had set off to a set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living after he had spent everything there was a severe famine in that whole country And he began to be in need. So he went out and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to to his fields to feed pigs. He, He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So this young son took all of his inheritance money and moved to a different country. Over there, he squandered his wealth. He spent all of his money as he lived la vida loca. That's what he did there. But something happened. After his money was gone, there was a famine in that country. Like in our terms today in Canada, there was a recession in that country. No food. Not a lot of jobs available. So what did he do? He hired himself to, to serve. To work as a pig Uh, caretaker, caretaker of pigs. You know what? It's amazing because Jesus told this story a couple of thousand years ago and he was talking to Jewish people. Can you imagine the disgust of the Jewish people who was listening to him when he said, this Jewish guy, he was so low, he was down, he was so much down in the dumps that he had to take care of that animal, that common animal that Jewish people did not eat or touch because it was dirty. It was unclean. That's the picture that God wants us to have when we think about sin in our lives. We go down in the dumps when we have sin in our lives. We care for that thing that this world thinks is vile. We take care of dirty things and Lavish it and we lavish it on us when we have sin in our lives. But Jesus is not done yet. The picture that he wants to paint goes further. It says in our story that this younger son wanted to eat what the pigs were eating. Can you imagine that? See, I was born and raised in the Philippines. I know what, what, what pigs ate in the Philippines. Pigs can actually eat anything like rotten food they would eat. Yes. He wanted to eat what the pigs were eating. See, when we have sin in our lives, we can't just say, well, I'm going to do this, and I'm not going to go over that. I'm not going to go beyond that. Sin knows no bounds. It becomes worse and worse and worse. First, he takes care of pigs, and then he wants to eat what the pigs are eating. But look at, look at the story. It says, no one. He was so desperate. No one. He, he couldn't even have what the pigs were eating. And for our purposes today, sin will never satisfy. It will never satisfy. story continues on. Luke 15, 17 to 20. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. So he was sitting there, desperate, looking at himself. Look at me. I am so poor. But then he came to his senses. He thought, wait a second. Back home, my dad had servants, like literally slaves. And his slaves had enough food to give out to people who need food. And here I am starving. Here I am wanting to eat what the pigs are eating. So he resolved to do something. He said, I'm going to go back to my dad. And maybe he was practicing this line over and over again in his mind. I'm going to go to my dad and I'm going to say this line. Sorry and please forgive me. No, not even that. He was not asking his father to take him back as his son again. Because he said, you know what? I have long given up that right to be called your child again. Let me just be one of your slaves at home. Let me clean your dishes. Let me clean your floors. Just give me food to eat. That's what he wanted to do in his mind. So he got up and went to his father. Verse verse 20 of chapter 15. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. So he made he made well in his resolution to go back to his dad. But this is the best part of the story for me. This verse right here. The best part of the story. His dad met him halfway. When somebody leaves, and you know they're not coming back, how can you meet them halfway when they do actually come back? You don't know when they're coming back. How did the father meet him halfway? See, I have this picture in my mind what this father was doing the whole time that his son was gone. Maybe he would wake up at the crack of dawn and look outside his window and go, Is my son here? I know he's going to come back. I know he's going to come back. Maybe he eats his lunch there, his supper there. Maybe he does his work there. He's going to come back. And then his wife is probably going, Dear, come over here. We're having fun in the living room. Come over here. Don't stay there. It's supper time. Come on. Let's eat. No, yeah, hold on. I'll just stay here. Maybe my son is coming back today. sorry see that picture to me is everything we have a God I'm sorry that loves us so much he is willing to do that for us all we need to do is come back to him Back to him. And then on that day he was probably going, Oh yeah, I think I see him. I think I see him right there. Drops everything and goes books it right to his son. Hugs him and kisses him. But remember, his son hasn't given him the line that he was practicing in his mind. Remember that? He hasn't done that yet. That's what happens in the next in the next uh, verse in the story. The son said to him, Father. I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. He said his line. He said his line. But do you think the father heard it? Do you think the father cared? He was not interested in what he did. He was only interested in a relationship with Him. That is how loving our Father is. Now, do we, appreciate, do we appreciate that forgiveness today? Does it sink in in our minds and in our hearts today? Are we going to look at sin again and go, Oh, I sinned. Oh, I sinned. Oh, oops, I sinned. Too bad. Are we going to make light of sin ever again? We have been forgiven. It is our identity today. See, look what the father did here. He restored his son completely and fully back into his family with the robes, with the ring, with a party. God loves us so much and He has forgiven us. We don't have to worry about the wages of sin anymore because the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What does this mean to us? It means that, remember this thing right here that Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2? That we were dead, separate, excluded, foreigners, without hope, without God? Because of forgiveness, we are now this. We are alive with Christ. We are saved by grace. We are raised and seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. We are no longer foreigners and strangers. We are fellow citizens with God's people. And we are members of God's household. Full restoration into his family. No more looking back and going, oh, yeah, I sinned. No more guilt. Oh, yeah, I remember I did that. No more of that. Because now we are forgiven. That is our identity now. I am forgiven because God has given me the solution to my number one problem of sin. If you have tasted this forgiveness, I encourage you all to appreciate it today. Do not make light of it. But if you have not tasted this forgiveness through the waters of baptism, please don't wait. Do not wait. God is waiting on us to come to Him and be one with Him. Please stand now as we sing the song of invitation.
2: I'm forgiven because you were forsaken.